kid, teenager, college student, and because of what you guys do, you give, you serve, you love, you pray, you worship, we get to be a part. We get to be on the front edge, the very front row of what God is doing in the lives of young kids. Um, and they got a lot of life in front of them. You've, many of you have lived that life. You know what it's like. You know exactly what they're getting ready to face in life. And it's our joy, it's our privilege to come alongside of young kids and walk this, this faith out with them to show them what it looks like to love Jesus. So thank you. Um, it's a good day. Like, I don't know what the rest of the churches are doing today, but it's a good day at Grace Point. We could probably just pray and go home right here, right? <laughs> no, we're not going to. Um, so we are um, we're in the fourth part of a six-part series, so we're kind of on the downhill slope uh, for this series. And um, I want to start with a question today. We're just going to rip the Band-Aid off and start. Um, pose a question that comes from um, an author by the name of Tyndall Baldwin, um, who wrote a book called Popular, and the subtitle is Boys, Booze, and Jesus. So the title alone is worth the price of the book. But here's, here's the question she poses, um, and here's the question that we're going to go after. What do you do when your body wants what your heart knows is wrong? What do you do? Isn't that a great question? It's a great question. Some of you are like, no, I hate that question. <laughs> Would you please move on and talk about something else, right? It, it's an uncomfortable question for some of us because it reminds us of something we did a year ago, five years ago, 20 years ago, last night, last spring break, last business trip, whenever it was, that, that you, maybe you didn't say it this way, maybe you didn't think it this way, but your body wanted something, but you knew it was your conscience, it was your values, it was your, maybe you would say it was God. There's something telling you, this isn't right. I shouldn't be doing this. What do you do? When your body wants what your heart knows is wrong. So we've been in this series through the book of Judges, uh, which is um, the story of the nation of Israel for about 300 years, from the time that they enter the promised land until the time that they become a monarchy. And, and as we've looked at this um, book, as we've looked at this uh, season, this period in the history of Israel, we've noticed this is not the best season uh, for the nation of Israel. They go through this pretty consistent cycle of disobedience, disaster, and deliverance. And then disobedience, disaster, and deliverance. And this just happens over and over and over again. And we started um, this series at the very end of the book of Judges. Just see this absolute disaster um, and this ominous verse, this ominous idea, this ominous thought at the very end. That, that in those days when all of that junk was happening, Israel had no king. And everyone did as they saw fit. Everyone decided, well, I believe this is right, so I'm going to do it. You do, you do you. I'll do me. Don't tell me what I'm doing is wrong. I won't tell you what you're doing is wrong. You just go ahead and do what you see fit, and I'll do the same. They ignored. They, they, they forgot God's law, and everybody did what they wanted, when they wanted, with whomever they wanted. And this cycle just happened over and over and over again. And every time there would be disobedience and disaster, God would send a deliverer. And throughout the book of Judges, you see about 12 different judges or 12 different leaders that God sends to the nation of Israel. We haven't talked about any of them yet, but um, the most famous um, of the judges are probably Samson and Gideon. 
Um, we're going to look at a little bit of the story of Gideon next week, but today I want to talk about um, Samson. I want to look at the story of Samson. And the reason I want to look at Samson's story is because Samson's story kind of mirrors or reflects what was happening in the nation of Israel as a whole. Um, God had called Israel. God had set them apart. God had made them holy, different, other than. Um, he'd established them. He'd, he'd, he'd raised them up in Egypt, and then he established them in the promised land to be a reflection of his character, to be a reflection of his glory to the nations around them. God had a very specific purpose for doing all those things. And, and God had a very specific purpose for Samson as well. He had a, a gifted him with abilities that attracted a lot of attention as a way to reflect back to God his glory. Um, it was, okay, I have all this strength. I can do all these amazing things because God's spirit rests on me. I'm going to reflect it back to him. Just like for Israel, like the reason God has blessed us, the reason we're so fruitful, the reason we're such a, a powerful military force in this region of the world is because God is with us. So Samson and Israel, there was a connection. There's almost a reflection of Samson's purpose and Israel's purpose. But just like Israel lost track, Samson lost track. Just as Israel kind of gave up the things that God had blessed them with, Samson kind of did too. As Pastor Mark said last week, he, he started looking around instead of looking up. He, he decided instead of living in the kingdom of conscience, I'm going to live in the kingdom of covet. Anytime I see something I want, I'm going to go after it. I'm going to do what I want, when I want, with whoever I want. And Samson ended up like everybody else. And Samson's birth story, it's just, it's, it's similar to a couple other um, birth stories that we see in scripture. It went like this. There's a couple who couldn't have children. An angel showed up and said, you're going to have a baby. And they're like, let me guess, a boy, right? Because it's always a boy. And sure enough, it's a boy. Um, their boy's going to be different. God would um, rest on him. God would empower him with his spirit to do these extraordinary things. And the thing that, that the angel told his parents specifically was that Samson was to take a Nazarite vow. Now, a Nazarite vow uh, had to do it, basically three things. You can't drink wine, you can't touch dead things, um, and you can't what? Cut your hair, right? So, it was usually a vow made by the person taking it, and it lasted usually 30 to 90 days. With Samson, it was a little bit different. Samson, his parents decided for him, and this vow was to last his entire life. Now, the other thing I want to say to, before we jump into the story, if you grew up in Sunday school like I did with flannel graph, you think, you think of Samson as this huge jacked guy with muscles on top of muscles on top of muscles, Right? But we don't actually know what Samson looked like. Because if you see a guy with muscles on top of muscles on top of muscles pick up something heavy, you're like, yeah, that's kind of what I'd expect, okay? So this is just my opinion. But I don't think Samson looked like somebody with muscles on top of muscles on top of muscles. I think Samson actually looked a little bit more like me, okay? Because if I picked up something huge, you'd go, whoa, God is obviously with him because there ain't no way he could pick that up on his own, right? So it wasn't, it wasn't Samson's extraordinary strength that pointed people to God. It was God's spirit in Samson and on Samson that pointed people to God. And so that's kind of where the, the story gets interesting 
because he was recognized as a leader in Israel. And as he defended Israel from the Philistines, um, he became enamored with Philistine women. And he would sneak across the border at night to, to spend time and meet up with these Philistine women. So here's, here's one of the very first things that we're told about Samson other than his birth story, okay? This is um, Judges 14, if you want to follow along in your, in your Bible um, or your mobile device. This is kind of the, 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 the beginning of Samson's story after his birth story. So this is this, Samson went down to Timnah and saw, because that's always where it starts. He saw there a young Philistine woman and when he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. And the gaps in time, the gaps in culture make this really difficult for us to understand. But this was a really awkward conversation. Because the Philistines were, were Israel's mortal enemies, okay? Think Star Trek. They're the Klingons, okay? They're, they're Thanos, if you want to do a little bit more updated version, okay? Samson is a leader in Israel. And he wasn't even supposed to be crossing the border into Philistine territory. But here he is going home and asking his parents to go arrange a wedding with the enemy. Here's how his parents respond. His father and mother replied, isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives? So obviously they were the part of the central Missouri part of, of Israel. Or... <laughs> We can talk about that later. Or among our, all our people. Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? This was their way of saying, Samson, come on. You're supposed to be different. <laughs> like of all the people that shouldn't be getting involved with Philistine women, it's you. What are you doing? By the way, this isn't just offensive. This isn't just awkward. This is against God's law. Because God told Israel, don't intermarry with people outside of Israel. And it wasn't that God was against interracial marriage. This was like a KU graduate getting married to a K-State graduate. Okay? Because when people from two different tribes and languages and religions bring their idols into the marriage, it creates conflict. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Right? That's, this, this is what happened. If, if an Israelite was going to marry a Philistine or a Canaanite, they, they're going to bring their cultural gods into the marriage. And when the two become one, that, that includes everything. And God knew that would eventually dilute the worship of the one true God in Israel. So God, it, God told them not to do that, not because of race, but because of religion. He wanted the worship of the one true God to remain pure. So Samson's parents are going, can we find you a nice sweet girl here at home? But Samson said to his father, get her for me. She's the right one for me. This is really interesting. That phrase, the right one for me, is almost, in Hebrew, the exact same phrase as the last sentence in Judges. Everyone did as they saw fit. Samson was going to do what he wanted, when he wanted, with whoever he wanted. Now, it's not all that shocking, but that first marriage didn't turn out real well. And you can read that story on your own later. Um, we get a little bit more detail when we get to this other woman attached to Samson. And her name was? Yeah, Delilah. I think that every time I hear it. Now, 
I don't want to assume everybody knows this story. So if you've never heard this story, I just want to give you a heads up. The temptation, when you read through this, it's probably more in women than it is in men, is to think, can any guy be that dumb? Okay, that's the temptation. Samson wasn't on steroids, but his stupidity certainly was. He just does that. We read this, we think, is any man that dumb to be captivated by a woman that much that he would make dumb decision after dumb decision after dumb decision? And the answer to that question is yes. yes. Yeah, because you've seen somebody do this. Maybe you could tell your own story. You can certainly imagine how, 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 how men can be this dumb. Now, ladies, before you get too excited, and I love this church, this is the greatest sermon ever. Why can't we talk about this every week, right? I'm picking on the guys because I am one, okay? But secondly, as my grandmama used to tell me, it takes two to tango. Hey, it takes two. One of the reasons men do so many dumb things over and over and over and over again is because you participate. You do, okay? And I'm, I'm talking really generally here, but especially those of you who are 25 and under, okay? If you continue to believe the dumb things that boys say over and over and over and over again, you're participating, but you're also naive, you are, and, and, and I love you, and, and I'm not mad at you. I'm not condemning you, but believing that I need you, and I love you, and we need to move in together, and we need to find out if we're sexually compatible, and you know, God wouldn't give us these desires if he didn't want us to fulfill them, and the, the, the license is it's just a piece of paper. Okay, let me, let me say this, and we'll go back to Samson and get through this uncomfortable moment, Okay. Let me say one thing. Ladies, if he can't afford to marry you, he can't afford you because you're worth affording. If he can't afford to marry you, he can't afford you because you're worth affording. The whole, I'm not ready for marriage, so we need to move in together. Call me old-fashioned. Okay, I am. Call me out of touch, sure. But you drill down real deep and ask yourself, am I worth affording? Are you worth affording? I think you are. Tell him to ring it, and you'll bring it. But until then... Yeah, you can clap for that. Absolutely. I'm pretty sure it's in the Bible. We'll check later. But I'm pretty sure it's there. Okay? So, back to Samson and Delilah. Samson meets Delilah, and he thinks, man, I thought my first wife, I thought she was the one, but Delilah, she's really the one. This is Judges 16. Look at this. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure. Think about that word for a second. You know what a lure is? Something that's pretty and beautiful, and it looks good, and it's got a hook in it. You should think about that later. See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Ready for this? <laughs> so Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. <laughs> now, this conversation probably did not happen over coffee or a walk 
or it probably happened over dessert, if you know what I mean. And it probably should have been Samson's first clue to run. Because if she felt comfortable enough to ask the question, he's already subdued. It's already too late. Look at this. Samson answered her, if anyone ties me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. And again, from outside, we want to go, Samson, your birth was predicted by an angel. Like you're a miracle. The Holy Spirit rests on you in ways that he doesn't anybody else. Why would you want to become like every other man? Like, like why would you want to be average? Why, would you, why, would, why even flirt with that? Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she tied him with them. With men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered, but that should have been the very last time he ever saw her. <laughs> it should have been the last time he ever crossed the border into Philistine territory, not Samson. Then Delilah said to Samson, you have made a fool of me. You lied to me. So he's lying to her. She's lying to him. Sounds like a great relationship. Come now. Tell me how you can be tied. And Samson just keeps playing with her. He's like, well, it's not actually bowstrings. It's actually new rope. And the same thing happens. She gets him drunk. He passes out, wakes up, tied up in new rope. She wakes him up. Samson, the Philistines are among you. He wakes up, breaks the new rope, chases them off. And, and then comes round three. Yes, it happens again. Samson tells her another way. And you just want to think, wait, 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 wait. Everything you're telling her ends up happening to you, and the thing that you tell her that has to happen is happening. Do you not see what's what, what exactly do you think is going on here, dude? But when you do what your body wants and your heart tells you is wrong, this is where you end up. Third time, he says, you need to actually um, weave the braids of my hair into a loom. So he's getting closer to the real answer. And sure enough, wakes up with his hair braided into the loom. Same thing happens. And then Delilah lays it on really thick. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when you don't confide in me? This is the third time you've made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. This is in the Bible. Like you need to read your Bible. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb, at which point Samson should have said, so what am I doing here? <laughs> why, why am I here? An angel predicted my birth. God set me apart for a purpose. When, when people see my long hair, they know there's something special about me. When they see my great strength, they know the spirit of God rests on me. But, oh, I love you, baby. Oh, I love you, baby, 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 baby. So I'll give you anything you want. It says, if my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. So, gets him drunk, goes to sleep, wakes up with a haircut. And we're told, we're told when he woke up, this is, the, this is the most heartbreaking part of the story. When he woke up, he expected to be able to do the same thing he'd always done. But the spirit 
of God had left him. Think about that. The Spirit of God had left him. And the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to grinding grain in the prison. And maybe I've seen too many movies, but maybe the last thing that Samson saw was the face of Delilah. And maybe the last thing he thought was, I did as I saw fit, and now I can't see anything. I sure didn't see this coming. And if you know the rest of the story, you know that there's a little bit of redemption at the end of Samson's story. Praise God. But he still died in shackles. He still died a prisoner. And again, we think, how can anybody be so dumb? It's real simple. When you do as you see fit, when you do what your body wants and your heart knows is wrong, when you do what you want, when you want, with whoever you want, you eventually find yourself in places you don't want to be. And and here's why I wanted us to look at this today. Okay, everybody ready? This, this This is what I came to say. You have no idea what God wants to do in your life. You have no idea. Like, we, we didn't get a birth announcement from an angel, right? We, we, we don't have what Samson had. He didn't give our parents instructions for our purpose when we're, when we're born. You have no idea what God wants to do in your life. You have no idea what he would do if you were to surrender your entire life to him, including how you express your sexuality. You have no idea what he would do. And again, some of us are tempted to go, Tim, I'm not Samson. I didn't have a big birth announcement. In fact, I don't, like Tim, I don't even know my birth parents. I was adopted. I've been in foster care for my entire life. My, or I didn't grow up in a good home. My parents weren't Christians and there's nothing special about me. That's a lie too. That's a lie too. If you, if you think that, I just want you to see this. 1,300 years after Samson, another Hebrew man came along whose life had been radically transformed by Jesus. And here's what he said. Did you not know? Didn't you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? That if you're a follower of Jesus, if you surrendered your life to him, the same spirit that rested on Samson from time to time lives in you all the time. The same spirit that established Israel as God's chosen people has established you in his kingdom. He wants to do something in you and through you, but you dare not be like Samson. Here's here's what Samson missed. Look at this next part. You are not your own. If you're a follower of Jesus, your body's not your own. You don't get to choose whatever you want to do with it because it's not your own. Why? Because you were bought at a price. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We just sang it. You were bought at a price. Therefore, conclusion, here's here's the application. Here's why Paul was talking about this. Here's what he wants us to do with what he's talking about. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Honor God with your bodies. Don't do... Whatever you want, whenever you want, with whoever you want. 
Instead, honor God with your bodies. If you live like Samson in the sense that you just do what everybody else is doing, especially if you do what everybody else is doing sexually, you'll come to a place where you'll find yourself in shackles wondering how you got there. And, and, and I'm telling you, the last thing you want to do is trade your incredible spirit-filled potential for something that lasts a weekend, for something that lasts a spring break or a season in your life. You don't even remember her last name. You don't even remember his first name. You don't even remember what he looks like. It's the last thing you want to do. And, and so come on, what, what would you expect God to say? Like what, what would you expect a loving heavenly father to say? Go ahead and do whatever you want, whenever you want, with whoever you want. No, I think you'd expect a loving father to say exactly what he says. Honor me with your body. That's what we've been called to. Not chastised, not warned. You've been called, you've been invited. It's your choice to honor God with your body, your eyes, what you see, your hands, what you touch, your feet, where you go, your ears, what you listen to, what you let in, your mouth, what you say, your mind, what you think. Honor him with every part of your body. So let's go back to our question as we close. What do you do? When your body wants what your heart knows is wrong, I, I just think you owe yourself an answer to that question. You owe your future self an answer to that question. You owe your spouse or your future spouse an answer to that question. You owe your kids or your future kids an answer to that question from this day on. What are you going to do when your body wants what your heart knows is wrong? And would you be at least willing to say to God, God, I want to learn what it means to honor you with my body? Would you teach me what that looks like? Would you send older, wiser people who have lived longer than me to invest in me? Because I'm not going to fall for the lie that I can do what I want when I want with whoever I want and walk away unscathed. What are you going to do? What are you going to do when your body wants what your heart knows is wrong? I pray, I hope, I will cheerlead as loud as I possibly can that you will learn to pay attention to that still small voice speaking to your surrendered heart. What are you going to do when your body wants what your heart knows is wrong? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for preserving this extreme story. <laughs> And at the same time, it, we, we look around and it, it almost seems common. Thousands and thousands of years later, God, for some of us, this is, it's just awkward because of what we, we did last week, because of what we did last night. It's awkward because of the habit we can't break. It's awkward because of the relationship we know we need to end. So my prayer is, is that you would work in such a way that they wouldn't shut off their computer, they wouldn't turn off their phone, they wouldn't walk out of this building before deciding. They're going to do whatever it takes to honor you with their body. And God, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you empower them just as you empowered Samson 
to invite you into this area of their life, to surrender the area of their life and, and, and begin to pay attention to what they know in their heart is the right thing to do? God, would you give us courage? Would you give us wisdom? Would you remind us of the mercy and the forgiveness that's available? And then would you give us the faith to walk this out, to live it out for the rest of our days as we reflect your glory back to you? And I pray it all in Jesus' name.